0: You are listening to The Just Powers Podcast, a series devoted to supporting and disseminating the work of researchers, activists, artists, and theorists that provide conceptual tools for imagining feminist and decolonial energy transition for more livable futures for all.
1: Series 2 of The Just Powers Podcast was recorded at Village Sound Studio in Halifax, Nova Scotia, located on traditional Mi'kmaq territory, and was made possible by support from Future Energy Systems Canada First Research Excellence Fund, Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada funding, and the Cool Institute of Advanced Study.
0: Today, we will be reading Reframing Big Data, Activating Situated Knowledges and A Feminist Ethics of Care in Social Media Research, by Dr. Mary Elizabeth Luca and Dr. Melanie Miette. This text was published by Social Media and Society, a SAGE journal, in May of 2018. In this article, the authors seek to problematize assumptions and trends in quote-unquote big data, digital methods, and research through an intersectional feminist lens. Articulating their critique through a feminist ethics of care, the article poses a number of practical questions about practices of care in social media research, pointing toward future research directions. Dr. Mary Elizabeth Luca is an assistant professor of arts, media, and culture management at the Department of Arts, Culture, and Media, with a cross-appointment at the Faculty of Information at the University of Toronto. Dr. Luca is an award-winning scholar, activist, and digital media producer for arts, social enterprises, broadcasting and telecommunications, and creative management policy, planning, and practice. She studies modes and meanings of creativity and innovation in the digital age to investigate how arts, culture, media, and civic sectors are networked together. Dr. Melanie Miette is a professor in the Department of Social and Public Communication at UCAM, as well as a member of the Laboratoire de Communication Mediatisée par Ordinateur, and the Fourchettes, Critical Methods and Technoculture Collective. Dr. Miette's research deals with the political and cultural uses of social media, and specifically the issues of visibility and public participation among members of minority and marginalized groups. Introduction. To understand how ethics
2: helps to problematize current fascinations with big data trends and their embedded biases, we first need to understand what is meant by data itself, both as a concept and as constructed, framed pieces of information mobilized in our research. Data are commonly understood as the trace of an immediate relationship with a phenomenon. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines data as, quote, facts or information used to calculate, analyze, or plan something, information that is produced or stored by a computer, end quote. Here lies the very heart of the problem. Understanding data as a fact, or as zeros and ones, flattens their constructed, situated, and timely aspects. Consequently, the concept of data, quote, remains categorically different from, and in a sense, opposed to, the very idea of process, end quote. But even the most immediate data collection is the result of decisions made by researchers, computer analysts, and platform stakeholders. When conducting research on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other platforms, researchers mobilize software and hardware to capture social media data, scrape them, archive them, visualize them, and make sense of them. These different methodological steps and their results are shaped by decisions, biases, and values embodied by those who made them and those who disseminate or sell them. Data are not neutral, and they cannot be an objective trace of a phenomenon, even in social media research, where it is tempting to reduce a complex social experience to its digital traces. Social media data can be sorted into different, sometimes complementary, registers depending on the research questions and goal, tools, and methodological strategies. Quote unquote, big data are commonly associated with quantitative strategies and are made distinct from the other registers by their massive volume, exhaustibility, indexability, and relationality. Unquote, small data, which are associated with qualitative methodology, are characterized by quote, "a dataset composed of a relatively small collection of data points or cases so that their analysis can be performed single-handedly via human coding and with little algorithmic assistance" end quote. Quote, unquote, "thick data come from ethnographic methods and are used to document complex and messy phenomenon like emotions or worldviews" Thick data build on small data sets by adding layers of data to each entry point of a small number, documenting the context, traces, and users' experience. quote lively data come from ordinary users' daily online interactions and actions, as well as the automated analytical processes the production of those data engenders. In this article, we draw on our own research to unpack some of those implications and demonstrate the heterogeneity of ontologies of social media data. We aim to make explicit the differences among examinations of interlocked registers of big, thick, small, and lively data through our own case studies. Miette's issue-based network analysis of thousands of tweets, big data, were followed by in-depth interviews, thick data. While Luca's research involves the development of competing storytelling perspectives over a four year participatory media project, or Thick Data, for the creation of a social media smartphone application, small data, with the potential to generate lively and big data. To develop our argument, we actively work toward operationalizing intersectional feminist perspectives in our roles as researcher citizens in public spheres. We first discuss the concept of data to critically address their implications in research on social media. We then identify two of our own social media case studies before briefly reviewing an updated feminist ethics of care as we have mobilized it in that research. We draw from recent literature on feminist materialism to suggest how the concept of, quote-unquote, speculation may profitably be turned for use as ethical practices of care or methods alongside aims to recognize intersectional situated knowledges in the social media context. Finally, we consider how such a methodology of speculation can be refined through Hannah Arendt's notion of quote-unquote action in both the real and idealized world, even while acknowledging the challenges presented by her own epistemological and ontological framework. In this way, we aim to provide clear rationales and examples for conducting ethical social media research in the era of big data and analyze our own actions as researchers.
3: Critical conceptualization of data, different registers in two case studies. Jeffrey Bowker's 2006 work on science, memory, and infrastructure offers a critical entry point into understanding how the collection and analysis of big thick, small, and lively data are framed. More than 10 years ago, he showed how disciplinary memory is influenced by the way people deal with information. For example, researchers and assistants seek, document, and archive information differently. Each contribution shapes knowledge institutions disparately. To make this understood as an urgent ethical matter, he metaphorically noted that, raw data is both an oxymoron and a bad idea. To the contrary, data should be cooked with care. The phrase, quote-unquote, cooking data, is commonly used in environments where interpretation is both needed and sometimes suspect, particularly including social media analysis, regardless of its source or the perspectives brought to such interpretations. Consequently, There is a cautionary tale to be understood by acknowledging the potential parallels between the idea of quote-unquote cooking the data and the idiom of quote-unquote cooking the books, a method of unethically altering financials and facts to a specific advantage. Lisa Gittleman in 2013 takes up the notion of understanding how we shape data ourselves by suggesting that each reassessment of data is the opposite of a direct engagement with reality. Of course, data can never fully represent reality, although data analyses provide pathways to help understand the world in which we live. Each time we analyze a data set, we impose assumptions that reshape it, even while the assumptions help respond to research questions. This has enormous implications for large, small, thick, and especially lively social media data sets. Debra Lupton extends Gilman's argument by centering users in everyday data collection and consequent automated analyses. From her work on quote-unquote data practices, we can understand four characteristics of lively data. Number one, data are about life itself. For example, health, transportation, interactions, emotions, memories, etc. Number two, data are dynamic, always in the making and constantly being reorganized by users themselves and different agencies. Number three, data play a central role in the knowledge economy and global livelihood. Number four. Data are very influential in everyday life at many levels, for example, in behaviors, beliefs, and decision making. We ourselves argue that these characteristics apply not only to social media data, but also to quote-unquote real-life data that we mobilize, for example, in our case studies. Lupton argues that online data are complex and develop simultaneously as self-tracking quote-unquote data practices that include self or soft surveillance, and through the ways in which these data are announced to users, for example, push notifications, survey results, mobile ads, etc., Lively data are paradoxical, just as social media uses on major platforms have been shown to be paradoxical, especially for demographic minorities. Both contribute to one's autonomy and resistance through self-expression and to alienation through self-surveillance, exploitation, and targeted advertisement. Below, we make it clear that social media interactions are inextricably intertwined with other daily and historically shaped social relations, activities, and realities, likewise dynamic, influential, and reciprocal. Both of the authors of this article have experienced the multifaceted tensions of working in more than one register of data involving social media research. Luca is part of the research creation group Narratives in Space and Time Society, which uses social media, smartphone apps, augmented reality experiences, video, and public art walks, a combination of thick, small, and lively data, to respectfully articulate social tensions arising from conflicting, racialized, and classed histories in urban development. Most recently, Luca focused on the mobilization of thick data in the creation of an iOS app called Drifts, which makes space for the regeneration of data about social histories. The app's structure and content enable and offer quote-unquote thick description by reframing the historical and social relations embedded in urban spaces related to the centenary of the 1917 Halifax Explosion, a wartime accident that injured or killed about 15% of the population of the Canadian port city. Miette conducted research with French-Canadian minority communities in English Canada, representing close to a million Francophones. Since Quebec has a French-speaking majority, the Canadian province was left outside the research design to focus on political uses of social media by citizens in a minority-language context. As a Quebecer, Miette had to learn about the highly heterogeneous minority experience and acknowledged the historical and political legacy that placed her in a privileged situation to build trust with the actors. To conduct her research ethically, Miette opted for a critical approach inspired by ethnography to help develop a better sense of everyday life for the people engaged online and offline. The approach resulted in an online immersion in blogs, Facebook groups, and Twitter feeds for more than two years. Miette performed quote-unquote big data mining on Twitter, but it was the two and a half years of quote-unquote thick observation on social media as well as local newspapers and grassroots organization activities and interviews that allowed her to understand and correctly code the thousands of collected tweets involved. In both the case studies, Luca and Miette exercised three core principles of critical research. First, Each unpacked how knowledge is produced, making epistemologies, methodologies, and biases explicit. Next, each revealed extant power relationships in terms of both domination and agency. Finally, and simultaneously, each reported on what was regarded as unfair and unacceptable about the phenomenon under study and proposed solutions.
2: In both the case studies, the terrain was highly politically charged, broadly speaking, addressing desires to move beyond the colonial legacies of Canada. Each case involved sensitive historical elements and social relations. Each research design was developed to include the citizens, who were also known as participants, concerned, so that the research would give context to and reflect the complexity of the phenomena investigated. Each research team understood that the framing and analysis of mixed registers of data in a social media context are the result of processes where specific decisions are made and power relationships are continually negotiated, including through the selection of research objects, research teams, and the timing of data collection and analysis. Indeed, to resist the inappropriate cooking of data, Each of these two research projects aimed to reframe dominant realities and perceptions, thereby counteracting established forms of social hierarchy, including when we worked on them or as we write them up for scientific papers. In the NISTS smartphone app, for example, the social co-collection analysis presentation documentation and subsequent representation of alternative and missing site-specific stories Reveal the flattening of the data hierarchy that the NISTS public art walks enacted upon a previously relatively homogeneous and narrow data set. That is, almost a hundred years of colonialist storytelling about the 1917 Halifax explosion. This opens the door to the collection of lively and big data in a social media context that is framed to recognize and analyze multiple perspectives, content, and approaches. Lynette Markham explains how such framing works by problematizing data from a Goffmanian perspective. Using the metaphors of frames and lenses, she illustrates how data and their representation have symbolic power. This power is useful to situate ourselves in relation to a phenomenon, to focus on one aspect or telltale sign, and to ignore others. Yet to forgive, or forget, what is left outside the frame is problematic. As with Bauker, Giedelman, and Mauthner Markham argues that understanding data as quote-unquote normal, or quote-unquote natural, and outside its own reality as a human-shaped tool for sense-making, is a major concern in social sciences and science. Consequently, she calls for quote, more nuanced frameworks for what inquiry means as a process, end quote. Miette experienced such reframing many times while conducting her research about how Francophone minorities in Canada use social media to gain visibility and make political claims. One of the most significant examples occurred during her initial contacts with users. She used the phrase, quote, the Francophone community, end quote, to describe their situation. Right away, participants responded by pointing out the homogeneity of such framing, There is no such thing as a singular Canadian francophone community. The notion of quote-unquote Canadian francophonie turned out to be the most efficient expression to illustrate the heterogeneous nature of their realities. What Miette initially assumed she was observing and what the other participants were experiencing were different. By accepting the correction offered by the participants involved, that is, by researching with care... Miette's research was strengthened and made more accurate.
3: A Feminist Ethics of Care as a Framing Strategy for Ethical Practices in Research The sooner we understand social media data, big, small, thick, or lively, as a humanly constructed artifact shaped by power relationships and crafted according to certain values and standing points, the more we can realize how these processes Enable and shape our decisions about our methodology. Both of our examples build on Annette Markham's framing strategies and our own an extension of Deborah Lupton's notion of, quote unquote, lively data over time and through the, quote unquote, real, materialized worlds of situated knowledge. This allows us to draw on an updated ethics of care to illustrate how different kinds of data implicated at different registers of engagement over time, can quote-unquote turn us in practical ways to critically rethink the ongoing intersectional networks of relations, values, and ethical commitments that undergird our research and those of others. In other words, building on Gittleman's historical analysis, we are not simply suggesting that data take a different form and have a different value depending on methodological preferences and dominant epistemologies, but also, we would add, by daily practices and timings, funding sources and ethical review board assumptions, and the ethical shareability of data. Mothner elucidates ethical tensions relating to, quote, our moral responsibilities and commitments to respondents and our moral ownership rights over the data we produce, unquote, To describe increasing tensions, such as maintaining confidentiality of data versus the growing number of public funders or private marketers who ask researchers to make social media datasets reusable and shareable. Such pressures support the importance of a commitment to developing caring frameworks of inquiry and the practices that accompany them, as we have previously argued, particularly in the growing field of critical data studies, within which our argument is positioned. A contemporary, quote-unquote, ethics of care emerges from work initially undertaken in the 1980s onward, particularly that of second- and third-wave feminist psychology, sociology, and cultural studies. While grounded in the ethnographic work of Carol Gilligan and Norman K. Denzen, for example, Today's Ethics of Care finds mature expression in works by Angela McRobbie and Miller, Birch, Mothner, and Jessup by emphasizing the integration of feminist and intersectional values into considerations of data analyses, including big data. Key among these include identifying and respecting diversity paying attention to how our research may affect those under study, and articulating and acknowledging our intent as researchers and participants, including whether and how we aim to generate potentially transformative engagements. More specifically, Gillies and Aldred argue that our present-day ethics of care is built on three formative processes. representing women across colonial, developing, and indigenous points of view and experiences, quote-unquote, deconstructing and undermining knowledge structures, and facilitating practices of care such as, quote, initiating personal change through action research, unquote, as we demonstrate in this article. Intersectional feminist practices of care help us to identify biases and assumptions and to better understand what our commitments and objectives are, as well as those of our participants, partners, and others involved in the research process.
2: For example, Anna Lauren Hoffman employs an ethics of care in critical data studies by demanding that data studies must be based on ethical concerns and what she identifies in her own research as quote-unquote data violence conducted on subjects. Such violence can be physical or symbolic, or both, and is the result of data producing or being used to reproduce dominant norms. More specifically, she explains that data create and maintain distinctions based on colonial ideologies, in particular because they become part of our contemporary and daily practices and help to legitimize discrimination. To illustrate how violence is practiced in this context, Hoffman points to how we arbitrarily code the gender of human subjects, for example, in airport body scans. These machines assign binary gender identifications to blur the sexual organ zone of the body, as well as the breasts of quote unquote female identified travelers. This socio technical assignment is experienced as a violent act by trans and gender fluid persons. Similarly, Reena Bivens analyzes the subterfuges practiced by Facebook in its assignment of gender binaries. While users have a range of options for the selection of gender identification, they are required to select preferred pronouns, he or she or they, which make their earlier gender identification moot, at least in terms of advertising targeting and so on, one of the primary revenue-generating functions of many social media softwares. However, Hoffman suggests that even if data can be violent, they can also contribute to a more equitable society. How could we achieve such an apparently paradoxical state? How can data maintain complexity and remain situated? Similarly, Gibson Graham asks how we can reimagine research as a set of ethical practices, quote, rather than structural dynamics, end quote. Harking back to third-wave feminist understandings of multiple and fluid identities, these practices require mutual commitment and care in research through an ongoing negotiation of power relations. Such an approach can ameliorate the tensions between demands for open data ongoing calls to protect privacy and data collections, including the ways in which explicit consent is neither sought nor secured for cyclical or repeated market or other research conducted via social media applications also a potential act of violence for the participants involved. In the case of the NISTS smartphone app, Luca and the rest of the research team decided to limit the type and specificity of analytics generated from the app. Although users of the app are welcome to provide their own user-generated content, for example, comments, photos, and videos, They are able to set up their username without that information being collected alongside the data aggregated about the volumes of users at specific points of interest on each of the walks or drifts. Maximizing the possibility of anonymity is regarded to be a priority by the entire research team, especially given the sensitivity of some of the stories told. In other words, how do we share, teach, and learn from best practices about data ownership privacy rights, and responsibilities. For some users, and in our research, especially with inexperienced social media users, privacy is misunderstood or poorly valued. It is therefore our responsibility as researchers to carefully anonymize the data collected, including avatars and profile images, and share the reasons why with participants. Such an approach is supported by international negotiations of data ownership conditions, Quote, such as the empowerment of individuals' informational self-determination, non-discrimination, freedom, dignity, and autonomy, which need to be particularly taken into account in the context of personal data management. Other values worth considering are the protection of the individual from physical and financial harm and the unhindered distribution of knowledge. Quote. In contrast, sometimes identifying the user is crucial to their empowerment. For example... In her research with the Canadian Francophonie, Millette asked permission to identify an online group of citizens, tague, which means shut up in French. This group represented a highly politicized and well-informed online public. Citing this collective was important as a gesture to recognize their efforts to bring attention to political claims about minority French culture and language in Canada. Consequently, Miette cites their manifesto and many of their online posts as a meaningful and scientifically relevant source of knowledge in different academic works in coherence with what Donna Haraway calls, quote-unquote, situated knowledges. Situated knowledge, speculation as ethical method. To more clearly unpack how social media data ontologies are pre-framed and hold the potential to be reframed in Markham's terms, we suggest, alongside Asberg, Thiel, and Van der Tween, that feminist materialism can usefully reconceptualize speculation as method, rather than ontology per se, by way of Haraway's notion of situated knowledges. Here we refer to Haraway's critique of the chimera of one unified knowledge, namely the knowledge accepted by those in privileged positions, and her call, still relevant today, for academic research methodologies to give us, quote, the ability to partially translate knowledges among very different and power differentiated communities. End quote. In this sense, speculation bears a relationship to its dictionary definition as quote, the contemplation or consideration of some subject, for example, to engage in speculation on humanity's ultimate destiny. End quote. Or, in its synonymous sense, as forms of contemplation or reflection or as conception, deliberation, or conjecture. Speculation as a method is not a set of rules, but a gathering of possibilities. Speculation establishes the researcher's stance as one among many, sensitive to their own biases, power, and identity positions, thereby compelling each to unpack or even give up pre existing conceptual frames and labels. In this context, we agree with Asberg et al that speculation is both a way to think through these multiple, sometimes contradictory ways to understand or address an issue, and an optimistic gesture that can imagine alternative sets of social relations. Speculation helps shift the center of gravity in research. Researchers can thereby acknowledge their own role in shaping research by the data they choose and operationalize their own social commitments to equity and other social values by understanding the registers of data they participate in reproducing as well as study. Similarly, big data can be superseded, supplanted, or augmented by small, lively, or thick data, or vice versa, in a shifting realm of changing conditions and overlapping ontologies of data, all within the span of any given project.
3: To ground the use of speculation methodologically, Asberg et al. explicitly make use of situated knowledges to ensure that the subject is not transcended by the object of the study, data, instead recognizing the codependence of object and subject. As in the work of Hoffman, Bivens, and Roberts, Asberg et al. recognize how knowledge is pre-integrated at every turn. They insist on the co-constitutive role of the embedded observer, the perspective and rich agentiality, multisubjectivity of context itself." Unquote. Such an approach deeply informed the methods used by NISTS to develop its social media app and shift a seemingly immutable history about the Halifax Explosion, including ongoing documentation of lively and thick data, such as collaborative research walks, workshops with neighbourhood participants, Artists, collaborators involved in interpreting and presenting stories and the documentation and representation of that data in the smartphone app. The app continues to collect yet another layer of lively social media data through comments, videos, audio recordings and photographs shared through the app. For social media in the age of big data, activating research with others rather than conducting it upon others is a material act of performative speculation which quote unquote, "envisions a different world and challenges taken-for-granted knowledges by way of situating them in specific historical, socio-cultural, material, and bodily contexts." Unquote. Ethically, such an approach reflects the practices of care in research that we argue are part of today's research obligations from an intersectional feminist perspective. In the development of the NISTS app, it was important to provide user-generated content capabilities and to ensure that each round of data collection would be continuously reshaped by the prioritizing of heretofore missing narratives and perspectives. Several sites, or quote-unquote points of interest, in the walks, quote-unquote drifts, explicitly recenter center Mi'kmaq and African-Canadian communities and histories, especially when visible evidence has long since been erased through urban development and discriminatory resettlement. Stories of erasure and recovery are told by Mi'kmaq and African-Canadians, not just as counterpoints to more traditional versions of the Halifax explosion narratives, but as new centers. Such research reflects what Asberg et al. name the penultimate stage of speculative practice in which researchers become more skilled at identifying and working with contextual circumstances to articulate appropriate situated knowledges. Such a proposition gives over the space required to activate a more equitable and less institutionalized world. Asberg et al. further insist That feminist speculative practices of care must unpack deeply embedded binary categories of data in many social sciences, arts, and humanities traditions, including studies of big data derived from social media. This suggests, quote, the need to move away from pre-givenness towards a fuller, more complex, and surprising world that cannot be understood through binaries such as subject or thought. An object, being. It is not just that intersectional feminist practices of care contest what Haraway called the quote unquote God trick, findings that assert that the world is the way that it is because it has always been that way, or a world divided into typologies based on absolutist binaries. It is also that we can move beyond binaries, including theoretically foundational notions such as. The division of private versus public spheres. Indeed, some authors suggest that self-imposed limitations based on the private/public binary can be disrupted through materialist speculation. Methodologically, it is to Arendt's notion of "quote-unquote" action that we now turn to test this
2: idea. Arendt's paradoxical legacy. Beyond the Citizen-slash-Researcher Binary. Revisiting the humanist contribution of Hannah Arendt's notion of quote-unquote action is helpful to epistemologically ground an intersectional feminist ethics of care, responding to our researcher identities and connecting us more broadly as citizens and political actors in the world. Arendt's definition of public versus private space is both critical and utopic in this context, and has been a puzzling object of discussion among feminists for a long time. More relevant to our argument in this context, Arendt defines action as a radically free activity. Her concept demands more than just, quote, taking a decision, end quote. For Arendt, a decision follows from reason, quote, a judgment from the intellect, end quote, and will. In contrast, Freedom is a speculative or aspirational principle which inspires the highest human actions, such as art and politics, and can precede or even supersede so-called, quote-unquote, rational thinking. Aware of the challenging abstraction inherent in her conception of freedom, Arendt uses the virtuosity and ephemerality of artistic performance as a metaphor to explain its power. She suggests that the difference between action and potential activity is the performance of action, or the difference between a concert performance and the existence of a written concerto. This understanding of Arendt's action resonates strongly with speculation as method, especially by offering possibilities for a more inclusive society. For example, Kathleen B. Jones, suggests that we rethink Arendt's relationship with intersectional feminism by considering how Arendt's action supports coalition building to disrupt oppression and power relations, noticeable through identity categories such as gender, race, class, and nation. Jones suggests that by reframing Arendt's notion of quote-unquote action, we can engage with how public and private spheres intersect with and enact intersectional feminism— Quote unquote querying and queering it in the process as a form of resistance. Queering in this context asks us to analyze unacknowledged costs involved in data production and analysis and make visible what is invisible or otherwise discounted. For example, the work of Sarah Roberts in identifying the traumatic social and emotional costs borne primarily by Asian, Filipino, and Indian laborers who are hired to review contested content in mostly Western social media forums, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, explicitly queers our understanding of social media as a platform for free expression and democratic practices. Such queered analysis speculatively reframes perspectives in research. Consequently, Roberts helps us to unpack the failings of neoliberalism, including specious claims of new forms of automation, and to better understand how and why ubiquitous uses of social media combined with physical migrations and diasporic movements impact us all. These types of questions are used in research justice methodologies that reveal and support social change, recentering previously marginalized groups and thereby generatively queering how researchers and writers work together to publish work. Indeed, like Hoffman, Jones argues that the ability to understand such phenomena in the world can go through a kind of, quote-unquote, reverse engineering that mobilizes alternative approaches, political actions, and ethical practices, or, as Arendt might put it, activating action. From an intersectional feminist point of view, we must ask how our recognition of others and others of ourselves can be reconciled within the limits of dominant heteronormative colonial norms and frames, including those resisted by Arendt? How can a subject acquire legitimacy without recourse to binaries or being co-opted by dominant standards or without using dominant narratives, institutions, and so on, which are often oppressive and inaccurate for those who embody quote-unquote difference? In social media research, this can be achieved not just by building content or surveys together with participants or by explaining the presence of participants in developing proposals for fundings and so on, In Miette's research, for example, her methodological design included rounds of interviews at the end of specific research phases to verify whether the research team had interpreted the community's online traces on social media correctly, clarifying and validating certain interpretations derived from Miette's analysis of the relevant Twitter data.
3: Arendt elaborates the common world as the condition for a public political space, which needs the co-recognition or in feminist-materialist terms, the co-constitutive nature of participating subjects to exist. In Arendt's term, a public, democratic engagement emerges when various subject positions meet each other and authentically share their realities. The importance of co-recognition in Arendt's theory is more explicitly addressed in the work of Jones on the nature of how we relate to others. She argues that Arendt, quote, learned how important it is that other people who live in the same historical space as you do recognize who you are, see you as the person you understand yourself to be, and accept you as you are, Unquote. In Luca's research, this is expressed through the participation of more than 80 collaborators in the reframing of historical tropes and social spaces as content for the NISTS app, as well as the structure within which that content is presented and shared with thousands of social media users. The process requires an ongoing negotiation of both time and historical understandings, sometimes achieved by literally, embodiedly, walking through neighbourhoods at appointed times, or visiting archives, or mounting exhibitions, or viewing and conducting interviews together. In Miette's research on political uses of social media in French Canada, such embodiment was similarly achieved by traveling to meet users to interview them. Inspired by ethnographic practices, Miette spent days in each city to hang out in cafes and other hubs identified as, quote, francophone friendly, unquote. Her goal was to conduct interviews, but this allowed her to experiment with what it meant to live in such environments and to develop a feeling for the cultural and linguistic differences. In the end, quote-unquote, hanging around, was key to the quality of the interviews. People she met told her, quote, We've seen you around for a while online, and now you're here. It seems like you really care, unquote. Such comments illustrate the ways in which the generating of lively data takes place in person in combination with online activity. In the eyes of the Francophones, this everyday commitment was instrumental for legitimizing Miette's commitment to conduct her research ethically. Similarly, Jones points out that, quote, Arendt insisted one can never and must never legitimize oneself. It is always others who do the legitimizing. And not just any others, but those who live in the same historical space. Unquote. Mutual recognition is central to the emergence of a common world, without which a public sphere is not possible, nor is political action. From this perspective, Arendt asks us to become radically inclusive. To us, This means to accept that speculative methodology must be truly open and that participants might reframe research in drastic ways, including refusals to access certain terrains or data. Our reframing of action, speculation, and ethics of care asks researchers to conduct any research as if it was critical action research meant to contribute to a better, more equitable world. This could mean resisting the pressures of normatively accepted research methods to include social media users in research design. French philosopher Etienne Tassin explains that Arendt's definition of freedom as the principle for action lies exactly in this mix of performative, quote, courage and determination, audacity and circumspection, lucidity and intelligence to grasp the opportunity the right moment." Thinking about methodology as quote-unquote action means that research is about process, and the deployment and analysis of data are also action, often with others, rather than outcome. In Arendt's terms, conceptualizing freedom as a speculative principle for action would mean that aspiring to freedom can survive the quote, success or failure, of any singular activity related to realizing freedom. This is remarkably similar to the way in which feminist materialism employs speculation as method. In the case of the Drifts app, this was illustrated by what NISTS came to call quote-unquote choreographing, rather than quote-unquote scripting. Either the public art walks or the app, quote-unquote Drifts, that emerge from the walks. By generating content and frameworks for nine pliable thematic walks together with our collaborators, NISTS created conditions for social media users to influence the walks and social relations in those neighborhoods by adding UGC, by leading the walks themselves, or by building new walks. In Arendt's words, since humans are capable of action, then the speculative or Quote-unquote, the unexpected
2: can be expected. Concluding Remarks Ethical Practices of Care in Social Media Research To conclude our discussion, we return to the practicalities required of a methodological inquiry. We have developed a preliminary set of questions that we have found useful in our own social media research endeavors in combination with, for example... The professional standards are articulated by the Association of Internet Researchers, AOIR, respecting quantitative and qualitative data sets. Since most social media environments are sensitive terrains for someone, if not everyone involved, these questions emerge from our commitments to an ethics of care through practices of care. They may help other researchers to benefit from a more responsive, ethical, methodological design that recognizes participants' needs and rights much more explicitly. Number one, what right do we have to be on this terrain? Number two, from which stance or positionality do we undertake our research and with which privileges and vulnerabilities? Number three, are we participants as well as researchers? In what ways? Number four, How can this research be collaborative and useful for the person or persons whose experiences are being scrutinized? In what ways and to what degree are we comfortable inviting members of the communities involved to collaborate on research design? Number five. What if they aren't interested in explicit participation? How do we provide implicit decision-making opportunities through which participants can be involved? If they accept the opportunity and responsibility to work with us on research design, how do we resolve any conflicts or disagreements? To what degree are we prepared to rethink our research plans and repurpose it to align with their agenda and needs? Number six, how can we make our proposals to collect data visible to those whose work we wish to collect? Dana Boyd and Kate Crawford rightly insist that so-called quote-unquote public tweets, posts, and snaps are not research-ready. They were not originally meant to be research material. How can we help participants and other researchers to understand this and promote informed consent in that process? Number 7. How can we advance debate about issues of privacy and personal data ownership in a social media context? In a connected world where Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple G-A-F-A, form an oligopoly, that largely dominates global data management in Western societies, how can we, as educators and theorists, take action? Are there workshops, alternative platforms, or other processes that we can support and demonstrate through our research? Number 8. How do we disseminate the results in a respectful and useful way? If we are required to publish in journals for peers, how can we make this meaningful for the people whose involvement has contributed to these results? What are the other forms of reporting back, providing joint attribution, or other analyses or descriptive expressions that we would commit to and involve participants in? Is a written format the best way, perhaps in a blog or newspaper? Would they prefer to be involved in an oral discussion? Online? In person? A workshop? A collective art piece? Number nine. How will shared involvement improve our research, and what if it doesn't? Number 10. In what ways will our research contribute to a more equitable world even if it is challenging or hard for us or others to imagine, or seems oversimplified or arrogant to others? In other words, how do we act speculatively to embody action?
3: In this article, our argument favors a complex understanding of big data and also of small, thick, or lively data in a social media environment, as human shaped artifacts, which we suggest calls for a consciously feminist ethics of care and a flexible set of practices of care. This is a fruitful way to address today's ethical research challenges. Elsewhere, we have shown that even a brief survey of recent feminist digital research reveals a focus on methods and processes that suggest the vibrancy of the disciplinary terrain through which the ethics of social media studies can both expand and become more ethically responsive. In this article, we have used some specific examples from our own recent social media research to illustrate how an ethics of care can be implemented in practice. Here, We have presented opportunities to revisit the activation of situated knowledge and ethical practices of care to interrogate the kind of social media research that is valorized in the era of quote-unquote big data. We argue that feminist materialist speculation as methodology, combined with the interpretive power of Arendt's concept of action, can not only queer the research agenda of big data but may be one of the methodological answers to the complex challenges of conducting ethical and equitable research today, throughout different registers of data. We have offered insights based on our research to illustrate, methodologically, how to embody such a commitment. Of course, there are limitations to the way these ethical practices of care can be applied. For example, what happens with gargantuan, quote-unquote, big data sets. What works in the examples we give might not work in other circumstances. Academia is under significant political and economic pressure to create jobs and gender social impacts and balance books, as with many other sectors. And many researchers, especially those who are precariously employed, may not have the resources to apply what we propose here. We would argue, however, that many scholars occupy the kinds of privileged positions that allow for the enactment of ethical practices of care in any register of data research, and indeed many do so. Even without unlimited or even generous means, researchers can still be cautious about the data gathered, the correlations found, the interpretations drawn, and our shared responsibility as participants in social relations, including social change. We understand our role here to be those of citizens as well as researchers. From an intersectional feminist point of view, we have taken the opportunity to proffer the kind of research which could bring us closer to a robust speculative methodology that critically engages social media data and acknowledges and involves The people and social relations imbricated therein. From our perspective, a contextualized ethical approach to analyzing social media data, in part by taking up situated knowledges, are optimistic gestures to support those who fight to make the productively unexpected happen, including surfacing unseen or incompletely understood stories, conditions of living, and social relations in general. In Arendt's words, such action must always be attempted because, quote, the smallest action in the most limited circumstances bears the seed of the same boundlessness because one deed and sometimes one word suffices to change every constellation, unquote.
1: Today, your readers were Mary Elizabeth Luca and Azna Adami. Dr. Mary Elizabeth Luca is an assistant professor at the University of Toronto and a digital media producer and director. Asna Adami is an artist, educator, and broadcaster based in Toronto. This podcast is brought to you by Just Powers and was produced by Mary Elizabeth Luca and Jesse Beyer, with sound recording by Luke Batois and location production by Jason MacIsaac at Village Sound Studio in Halifax, Nova Scotia, situated on traditional Mi'kmaq territory and sound editing and mixing by Catlin W. Cusick at Sublet Sound, temporarily located on the traditional territory of the Coast Salish people.